Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it more accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic we discuss that you should seek professional advice for your horse before implementing any strategies. This week, Nancy and I are reviewing a paper called The Impact of the Sex of Handlers and Riders on the Reported Social Confidence, Compliance and Touch Sensitivity of Horses in Their Care. And this is a paper that Kate Fenner was an author on, and she was on the podcast in one of our previous episodes. And I'm just going to quickly read out the different authors that were involved in this paper. So we had Ashley Anzulovich, Kate Fenner, Michelle Hyde, Susan Heald, Bibiana Berrettini, Nicole Romnes, Jessica McKenzie, Bethany Wilson, and Paul McGreevy. So this paper was essentially looking at the male or female sex of uh, humans and how that affected horse behavior. And it was a really interesting read. It was using the eBark research questionnaire that we have talked about before. So have a look back on that podcast. But there was some great pros and cons to it. And essentially what they found is that horses did behave differently depending on whether it was a man or a woman that was um, catching them or riding them or even just how they reacted when being approached. And there were so many little like bits within this paper that I thought were so fascinating. Um, Nancy, you were the one that suggested this. How, how did you think that pertained to what you already kind of knew from your experience with horses? Well, given that the results kind of showed that men had more issues with being able to catch horses, I thought at first it was their posturing, possibly when they go out to catch them, because um, there's always been a kind of rule that when you go out in the pasture to catch a horse, you don't go directly toward them. You kind of go at a 45 degree angle and don't look directly at the horses. And um, I think sometimes men are deliberate and they are more driven to get finished with the task. Not that women aren't, but we tend to um, not be as fast gated and uh, deliberate in our walking. And that was one thing they did bring up in this research that the anatomical differences, we have um, less um, quickness to our gait as, a, as women. And then we also have less hip flexibility, but more ankle flexibility. So I think it, we have to remember that sex in this paper refers to the biological differences between males and females. And it's kind of determined at birth and is apparent by genetic mapping are the circulating hormones. So it's not talking about gender preferences. So um, I think there does need to be 
maybe a study done using gender, which refers more to masculinity and femininity and um, how they're performed in negotiation with group norms or, um, you know, how a person um, has been raised. I think sometimes you can conform mm -hmm. more or less the dominant models of being feminine or masculine by your choices, your upbringing, and your different traits that you get from within a family unit. So um, I think this one was just straight male or female. It was on the eBark questionnaire. And then they correlated that question with horses being easier to catch, um, maybe less defensive or more defensive, and then ridden behaviors. I thought that was really interesting. So they actually do delve into explaining clearly that it is looking at sex and not gender because we can identify in different ways. But yeah, that society has such a pressure on that because women from um, a young age or people that identify as women or men will be told to essentially move in a certain way. So, you know, it's this kind of like, I suppose toxic in a way but the you know the ideals like well you need to sit um how do they put it in the paper that women will sit in a more ladylike fashion and they'll walk in certain ways that are more relaxed and more feminine whereas boys growing up are kind of taught that you know you don't walk like a girl and all these kinds of insults that are so outdated mm. now but actually has had an effect because it's only in the last number of years that the world is catching up to the fact that's outdated. So we have so many adults that grew up in, you know, that, okay, I need to walk this way. And then that becomes the way you walk. You know, if you're learning as a child, I need to walk with broad shoulders, you know, a tough kind of stance. Then as you grow older, you'll do it. And they pointed out in the paper too, which was really cool that, if they did do research into how gender plays a role, it would be really interesting because you would have a different view then. So in this paper, they did find that, you know, the horses did react, I suppose, more um, defensively or more difficult in a way. But then when it came to social confidence, the horses actually stood more when they were held by men um, and kind of, I suppose, complies with what they were being asked to do. And they found, though, that over time, if it was men that were holding them and they were complying and being made do things they didn't necessarily want to do, that knocked their social confidence in the long run. So they weren't as um, confident in new situations or in themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, the fact that they had like 1,361 females respond to the survey versus only 59 males um, might yeah. be a part of it. But of those 59 males, some were in the cow reining industry, some were more rodeo driven, and then others were in stadium jumping. So you know, if you get maybe a more broader respondent base, mm -hmm. the results mm -hmm. might be a little different, but I have a feeling 
why this came out with the hard to catch um, scenario with men. We did a show on episode nine and it was the behavioral differences between geldings and mares. And remember geldings were harder to catch than mares. And that was maybe something in this paper that wasn't brought out is what were the number of geldings that these males were trying to catch? Because if, you know, men tend to gravitate towards geldings or stallions more or colts, then that would have kind of skewed the results a little bit if they have a bigger propensity to not want to be caught. I'm telling you, my next horse is going to be a gelding. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with the mayor business. I, <laughs> the attitude. Well, in you know, there what that just popped in my head because they said in this um, survey, 38% were mares and 58% were geldings. So there you've got the higher gelding rate. And yeah. then they had 78 different breeds from 33 different countries as far as the respondents went. So, I mean, that's quite a mix of people. I would just wish they would have broke it down into how many of those males had geldings or mares. Yeah, I think the one upside of this type of research is that, you know, the respondents were anonymous and they were reporting you know, their experiences, not knowing. So we've talked about eBark before. If you want to, you know, make history in a very small way, go on to eBark, fill out the questionnaire, because the research that can come out of that questionnaire is just, at this point, endless. Um, So this is more research that's been taken out of that questionnaire. And these people didn't specifically know that that is what they were talking about. And that's how you eliminate a lot of biases Mm -hmm. um, and people are more honest and more open about what they're talking about, especially when it's anonymous as well. So that gives a great strength to the research, even though it was a smaller pool of men and, you know, the research did identify it would be great to get a larger pool, but they also identified that that is actually indicative of how the industry is going. And, I found that so interesting because we see that in the veterinary industry now as well. It used to be predominantly male and it's moving to be more female. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, globally, do we have a larger female population now? Are we taking over the world? Is that what's happening in each industry? It's just going to keep going up. Um, But it is, it's really interesting to see. And this paper just had so many ways of kind of, discussing different stereotypes that I thought were really nice like even breaking down the traditional stereotype of thinking um, men are butch and they should have big muscles and you know look a certain way when we know in the equine industry that's not necessarily true and certainly not true for jockeys and then this preconceived notion that females are not as strong or you know not as tough again not true in the equine industry because you have to have strength and you have to have um toughness and you have to have a lot of just mental resilience on both ends 
Um, so I think it was really interesting that it kind of stood out to me. It's one of those in- industries that's kind of breaking those barriers. Yeah, and I think it does um, just show people a good work ethic because there's nothing like taking a child and introducing them to horses and then for them to accept all the work that goes into having those horses. So it's not only about riding, it's about taking proper care and being committed to the daily grind of farm work Mm -hmm. and upkeep and, you know, the whole scenario that I think when someone opts to go into horses, they have a true commitment there. And I think that makes a woman stronger myself. I think it, it encourages us to go outside of that, um, I don't know, the bounds of that sitting properly are sitting like a woman. I did a placement in an equine hospital and I remember just, oh God, hours in the mornings and the evenings mucking out all the stalls and thinking to myself, this is exactly why I have a Connemara pony that is not stable. Because <laughs> It is hard work. I don't know, though. For me, I do that you know, work every day, and it's my best thinking time. And, you know, people might say, well, what was the importance of doing a paper like this? You know, uh, especially when the gender wasn't taken into account. But, you know, uh, it gives you the ability to kind of understand and respond to equine behavior that may influence the welfare of horses that may have perceived behavioral problems. So say the cowboy that can't catch a horse, well, you know, maybe this research will help them see that, you know, there is a better way to achieve that and it's by not walking straight towards that horse and I I think most cowboys would know that um, for the most part that maybe uh, gelding is a little bit harder to catch or a mare if that mare has that predisposition and that there are certain ways you can work with them to catch them and then um, I think what happens sometimes is that in these perceived behavioral problems, the horse ends up under too much pressure um, when they're being trained, and then that pressure is never released. And I think we all have to realize it's constantly, if you apply pressure, you have to release at the proper time and then preferably reward all in there to achieve that combined reinforcement. And then your welfare of your horse is going to be so much better because you're going to be kind of binding in your communication with that horse. Exactly. And I loved that that was the outcome of the paper. You know, we're all capable of changing Mm -hmm. the way we work with animals because when we look at how we worked with animals five years ago, 10 years ago, it was vastly different. We're constantly improving how we work with them. That is, I mean, the point of this whole podcast as well is to use research to improve our methods. And this, you know, coming out and saying, you know, reassess how you are approaching your horse, reassess how you're handling them, how you're riding them. Because, you know, it's said that 
the one thing that was less likely to happen when a male rode a horse was for them to brace their neck or toss their head. That happens more when women ride them. And you could hypothesize, you know, why that's happening. That in the study, I think they said they hypothesized that maybe the men had a stronger grip and therefore the horse wasn't reacting against it. But um, Nancy and I were just briefly talking about it before we started the recording. And from that episode we did on bits and the pressure in a horse's mouth, we seen that, you know, when you're causing that excess pressure, that's when the horses are going to react. They're going to want to try and do something to get away from that pressure. So maybe it's actually women are holding too tightly or have too strong of a rain tension and that's what's causing the horses to um, react in that way so again another area to look into and to investigate out of this paper but I just yeah I loved the fact that the outcome of this is we just need to reevaluate what we're doing yeah and then that prevents that downward spiral into a wastage situation where that horse either Mm -hmm. changes hands and goes to the next person without a history of what the problems are. And we could make it so much easier on these animals if we learn their behavior and their responses and learn negative reinforcement with a release and then a reward works so much better rather than punishment. Because so often that pressure, pressure, pressure ends up being somewhat violent and that does no one any good. So um, if people could hone in on that bubble of communication and learn about that, the reinforcements and how a horse actually learns. And our horses are so incredible and they do, you know, we've said this time and again, but they do just want to do what we're asking. Mm -hmm. So the paper said, you know, if you have someone like, for instance, if you have a horse that shies away from being caught and you're the only person that's ever approaching it and ever riding it, it may be that you were approaching it too assertively, Mm -hmm. but the horse can acclimatize to that because they can pick up not only like your clear intended cues but also your subconscious cues and they can realize that that is just your movement so they acclimatize over time and they understand so you're likely to see that issue kind of crop up again if they have someone that approaches them more softly and then you come back and you approach them assertively again then they're going to be like oh well actually now I've seen how I could be respectfully approached and I don't quite like how you're coming up here. That's a great way to put it, Kate, because so much of the time too, it's our emotion and emotionality being conveyed towards that horse. I think it's far better leave your horse out in the pasture if you've had a bad day or let someone else go out and, and get the horse if you're having trouble controlling that underlying emotion or muck out some stalls and then go approach them again idea take a run ride a bike you know just you know just think you're not dealing with the machine you're dealing with a living being that can read you like a book Mm -hmm. so true 
Well, I think that's all I had on this. I'm looking through my notes and uh, I thought it was a great study. It's thought provoking. And if it can just make a difference in one person's approach to their horse and to kind of learn more about learning theory, which you can go to um, International Society of Equitation Science and you don't have to be a member to look at the learning theory tenets of what they believe and what science has revealed about horses and how they learn. And do you know, Nancy, is this an open source paper? Yes, it is. Okay. I would really recommend anyone who wants to ease themselves into reading research um, to read this paper because it is, it's just very well, like all the papers we do are very well laid out, but it's one of those papers that because it's thought provoking, it gets interest. You'll follow it nicely throughout and you take something away from it. Like I really enjoyed reading this paper. And if you are a little bit intimidated by research, then use this paper as one to dive into because you'll find that you will just start to devour the information that's in there. Um, and it doesn't kind of, I suppose, like confuse in a way because some papers can have a lot of data that can be laid out in a way that almost only a researcher could read. And mm -hmm. um, I just think this is really well written. So anyone interested, it is the impact of the sex of handlers and riders on the reported social confidence, compliance and touch sensitivity of horses in their care. And you'll see that in the title of the podcast and um, in the little bit of description underneath there and we'll put that on our social media yeah i'll put the link on the anchor.fm homepage, and then also um just skip the math part because it does have the multivariate and univariate modeling and that's a little bit um involved but if you go to the discussion very interesting and does open up learning theory um, in a good way for people to understand where it's where they're coming from. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. I think that's everything I had for this one as well, Nancy. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining me. And did you have any um, emails or updates we needed to talk about? Um, I have an email um, for another request for research. So we've got two now that we are going to tackle in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out and um, hopefully as well, we'll have an interview, fingers crossed, that might come out of one of them. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. Okay. It's all very cryptic. So I'm not sure that was much of an update. Yeah, well, we'll have to remember the one email about pasture and hay, because uh, when yes. we talked about pasture and taking care of it it kind of evolved into uh, people wanted to know if we could find research on different types of haze so we'll look into that as well Brilliant. okay and i'll catch up with you next okay week. thanks so much bye bye <laughs>